1: and a trendsetter in the field of mindful leadership. Your host, Holly Duckworth.
0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Everyday Mindfulness Show. We have a fantastic guest with us today, my friend Rachel Headley, and we're going to be talking a little bit about her book, IX Leadership, Create creating high-five cultures, and guiding transformation. Rachel and I have met through the C-Suite Network and have built a great conversation here around how we can create amazing work-life integration and cultures that transform the world. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Well, we're so glad that you could join us for this conversation, kind of about mindfulness in corporate culture. And you know, mindfulness is kind of my brand and my word, but you have a lot of different takes and definitions of it and how you integrate that, maybe using different languaging in the corporate. So I just, we, we start every show with, you know, what does mindfulness mean to you?
1: Well, mindfulness uh, to me means that, uh, well, a lot of it for me is living in choice and knowing that the choices we make, uh, the way that we live every day is a choice that we make. And I think owning that, um, even in the craziest days I have, which seems like almost every day now, um, I always think, you know, I could leave this all behind and move to Jamaica with my boyfriend and my 10 year old daughter and serve rum drinks on the beach. And that's, that's an option too. So I try to own the choice, right? I try to own the choices I make. And I think if everybody did that and knows that they're not trapped or they don't feel like it's inevitable, um, I think that really changes the way you view your day and how you take on new challenges and opportunities. So,
0: so totally agree with you on that. You know, as, as rebels out there going, life can be, be different.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, we talk about mindfulness in the workplace, mindfulness in, in corporate. And I love your take, and I know you have an assessment around this. So share with the, the listeners a little bit about that. With, how do you do mindfulness in corporate? And tell us a little bit about the assessment. Well, the assessment is,
1: we call it culture type, culture types. And we, we call it that because it's really about how you like to work and how to build a high five culture in your workplace. And we, we named it that because, you know, there's people don't think you can change culture in at work and in corporate and or it's so hard and overwhelming. And so, you know, people don't hire me to change their culture. They hire me to change retention or they hire me to improve productivity or, um, you know, and getting things done on time. And all of those things have everything to do with how the people are working together as a team and and how they see their work environment. And so what we do is we... Assess people in a way that is a little different. I mean, there's a million assessments out there. We're all trying to figure out how to solve these complicated people problems, challenges. My 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 um, COO, she's an HR executive, and so she t- always tells me there are always challenges, not problems. So <laughs> I have to watch my language. But so what we do really is, you know, we, we looked back at all of the historical, I get very nerdy, I'm a PhD, so I get super intellectual about this stuff, but really what we did is we looked across all of the research all the way back to the 1920s that originated with Carl Jung and all of his work, psychologists, and what we really felt was missing from all of the assessments is the, the aspect of chaos in our everyday life and who really thrives in a chaotic environment and who really does not thrive and then they prefer order. And then we also looked at team. Do you prefer to work in a, in the psychology world? We call it social. Are you a social person? Or are you an ego person driven by ego? Ego is a non-judgmental term. It's really about self-driven, right? So we, in the corporate world, we talk about team to self uh, in, in, a, in a driven sort of way. So the great thing about this is that it is shockingly effective. Um, uh, Holly, I'm guessing that you're what we would call a fixer, who is you like chaos, in this not, not bad like drama chaos, but good chaos like you don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow or you might have a call from somebody you never heard of and they have a new challenge for you and so you're a big problem solver. And, and but you like to solve problems on behalf of other people. You're very socially aware, you like to build up people. And so, so us fixers in the world, Um, We love solving problems, but our stabilizer brethren, um, they like solving problems too, but they don't like us because we can be a little chaotic for them. And so figuring out that magic between who on your team is chaotic and who on your team is orderly and how you can actually interface in a better way and support each other's strengths is really what the culture type assessment is all about.
0: So you said your company has a has a mantra. It's not about you. Tell us about. It's not about you. I mean, you really nailed in the top line. My my fixer personality. Great, I, great. I like us because it sounds like maybe you have a little of that too. Oh um, yes,
1: oh yes. The fixers unite, man. I'm
0: definitely a <laughs> um, But we're creating high five cultures, which you know, it's not about you. What is, what does that mean? How do we overcome that me me me? We live in a me 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 world.
1: Yeah, it's really more about, you know, we, we talk about using empathy as a strategy because so many of us, you know, you hear about empathy and how you should use it in the workplace or how you should be more empathetic, but that's such a hard, you know, it's such a heavy lift for a lot of us who don't, like, I don't really consider myself, I wouldn't label myself as an empathetic person in the, in the world of the, in the more woo-woo world of mindfulness, you know, you, we talk a lot about masculine and feminine energies, right? So I'm definitely on the masculine side of that spectrum and empathy is sort of feels very feminine and sort of as a, as a, as a skill. Uh, And I don't think it resonates with a lot of sort of a type A leaders. And so what we've talked about empathy as a strategy. So, you know, if someone's coming in late all the time, it's, if it's not about me, meaning if they're not being a jerk because it's affecting my life, Let's assume that I'm not in that whole picture. I'm not in their decision to be late every day. Um, They're dealing with a whole other suite of challenges that I know nothing about. So when we talk about empathy as a strategy, we think, what's really going on with that person that's making them late? Uh, I don't know, I should ask them. And so it's really a way to get over the assumption that whatever they're doing, they're being a jerk intentionally to make my life hard. Um, that, That I've never, well, maybe not never, but mostly never had that as a situation. Almost always, everyone's well-intentioned, everybody. There's nobody sitting there thinking, I'm going to be a jerk to Holly today, and I'm not going to deliver this on time. They're thinking, uh, you know, I might be thinking, oh, my my boyfriend um, is dealing with this really bad situation at work, and I'm thinking about that, and that's distracting me from um, what I'm supposed to be doing for Holly. So it's really nothing has nothing to do with Holly. So we really try to have people take themselves out of it's all about me and figure out what's going on with that. Now that doesn't mean you forgive bad behavior or, um, you know, if someone's on Facebook all day just because they're checked out, that's not okay. So we really look at accountability and empathy our sisters and how can you have them work together in a way that's, um, where you allow for people to be human, but you don't allow for bad behavior. And so it's a it's a real tricky line to walk. And I think it's something that a lot of us um, try to balance all the time.
0: So uh, this speaks to that concept of work life mm-hmm. balance, work life integration. Uh, you know, the, the consciousness of the planet that was, you know, you go to work and you're there from eight to five and, and it ends and whatever. And that's just really not the world today. And so this is requiring us to have. New conversations, new questions, new empathy. Um, How would you advise your 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 teams to look at this new new concept of work life? I don't know if you use balance or integration or how you look at that because this is a perfect example of mindfulness is is got to come into play somewhere because the rules have changed. Right. I mean, and actually, we don't we don't we actually
1: say there is no work life balance. It's all life. It's all life. So if you are at work um, and you are unhappy, that's a big, big part of your life. And you know, we talked earlier about, um, before we started the recording, is you know, about how 70% of people are unhappy at work. 70% of people are unhappy at work. And, um, and that's just really a dismal number. And that means you know, we spend more time at work than we do with our family. So that means a big, big part of our life is, and a big part of everyone we know's life is unhappy and that is just not an acceptable number and as a fixer (laughs) I am determined to change to change that number and how we do that is we because a lot of the unhappiness at work has to do with chaos at work it has to do with not understanding how to work with other people why someone's making us crazy uh, even though it's not about us and so we really try to give people tools to figure out how to interact with the humans in their life whether it's life or in life outside of work or life inside
0: of work. I'm, I'm laughing and, and enjoying watching our world evolve with this two-word phrase, AI, artificial intelligence.
1: Right.
0: And, and how do we integrate the robots we're now creating? Hello, Siri. Hello, hello. hello. Yeah, hello.
1: turn off my phone or you're going to turn something turn on by saying that.
0: Right? <laughs> um, but I think it is an interesting dynamic if we're looking at how do we we create great cultures that work? Not only now do we have the dynamic of human to human, but we have this human to technology interface Mm -hmm. thing. Um, Got any thoughts on on that and how we can do that better to help us be better humans?
1: Well, you know, the interesting thing about the rise and the impact of social media uh, and how we use that AI, um, those AI platforms already, you know, all of that, all of that, like data gathering and all the things that are happening already, that's all about um, all of that artificial big data stuff. But, you know, we have an urge to connect with people. And if you look at, you know, uh, the, you know we talk about generational differences all the time, which I think are absolutely fake, frankly. And that's a whole nother probably show. But, um, but pe- young people are on social media because they have an urge to be a part of something. And that's why they move uh, jobs so easily is because if they don't feel like they have a family at work or a connection at work within probably six months, they're gone. So it's not so much that they have a less that the less connected it's that they actually need connection more than we used to have um, the older generations. And so we have it in a different way. And so that's what I think is interesting talking about the artificial intelligence piece and some social impact on our lives is that, It's actually just, it's the expressions of needing to be a part of something are the same. They're just being expressed slightly differently. And I think once we turn our, you know, once we turn our brains into, okay, well, it's just a new way of being social. We don't go out to the bar anymore. We go on Facebook at 10 o'clock at night. You know, it's just a different way of being social. And if we can leverage that, I think it's the smartest thing we can do instead of trying to fight against it all the
0: time. Well, that goes back to there's just one, one life thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I definitely agree with you on that. Uh, but we, we also have this balance then of Mary's no longer in the office, eight to five, Ted's mm-hmm. in the office, 5am to, you know, 5pm. And, and how do we still get things done to complete the projects and create the transformation that we want to create? Is it a, a place where you know, we just only work with people who are like us or we work with people who are different than us. I mean, we we've, we've brainstormed this one a little bit.
1: Yeah, this one is an interesting one because you have to honor people's, uh, you, I really want to honor people's need for flexibility, their need for unique life situations, whether that's, and frankly, if you get your work done and you're really fast at it, I don't think you should have to be at the office for three more hours. Um, and you know, because this is what happens a lot and, and this is how people get upset with each other is that, you know, I'm done with my work in five hours, uh, Bob's done with his work in eight. And so why do I have to stay at, at work? And then I get more work because I'm there and then it becomes this uneven thing. And so I think it's, um, it's a little tricky because when you're not together, um, those, the, the, the things that separate us become uh, more important. So when you, there is still something about being in the room together. And when we see so many distributed teams, I have one. uh, My um, head of sales, my chief revenue officer, he lives in a totally different state, far away from me. Um, We have consultants all over the US that we work with. It is really hard to stay connected. And this is why the advent of technology is so fantastic because here we are on a video conversation and we're getting a lot more data and communication and connection than we ever would just by voice and so i think if you're going to have distributed teams or teams that aren't together you have to have a way to actually look at each other's eyeballs in some way um, otherwise the teams just fall apart and we see that all the time we want to so the balance of finding that flexibility for everybody i mean i live in a little mountain town in the middle of the black hills of south dakota and i have clients in manhattan and i have clients in san diego and so I have to find ways to stay connected with them, um, but I love it. I love coming home and literally the sidewalks roll up here on Sunday there. You can't even shop here. You, um, you can't just go to the store on Sundays. And that uh, drives some people crazy. I think it's awesome. Um, but we have, but I have to, but I get to be connected with people all over the world. So, you know, it's, I love, I love that, but it's also a big challenge and it takes intentional connectedness again to go back to your mindfulness part of you know of of the story you have to be mindful of people needing to have that connection um, with your team you can't just cut them loose and say you don't know don't ever have to come in the office it just doesn't work
0: so the book titles ix leadership create high five cultures and guide transformation mm-hmm. what's ix
1: ix is internal experience so, so much in the tech world, there's a lot of focus on the user experience, UX, CX, or customer experience. And, you know, we were in this really interesting conversation with some tech, some big tech folks in Phoenix who run big call centers down there. And they were wrestling with their customer experience. They just weren't getting a quality customer experience they wanted. And so they were constantly training their people all the time, all the time, all the time. But yet at the same time, they were talking that their people kept leaving. And so then people don't stick around. They they literally, they have 100% turnover every year. And yeah, like how do you even get anything going? And so what we said is, you know, instead of focusing on your CX, your customer experience, if you focused on your internal experience, You would keep people longer. They would be able to provide better customer experience. They'd be able to help people better and more effectively. Their retention would be higher. And so we started thinking really about that's really kind of what we're talking about is making your internal experience be outstanding for your people. And then all those other challenges go away. Retention, productivity, time management, um, interpersonal challenges, all of that stuff really gets ratcheted way back.
0: Yeah, we were talking before the show about you know where, where does mindfulness as I as I work with it mm-hmm. work fit in? And I was talking about that that place of kindness. It's the, the manager working with the subordinate, the subordinates to each other, the managers to the managers, and that creates an internal experience. And you know sometimes it's just about humans being human again, and how can we be kind to one another? Well, um,
1: yeah, for sure, and reconnecting. I mean, one of the things we talk about is reconnecting leaders with their people. Because so many times the executive teams and leaders are off making decisions and they really have no idea how it's going to be executed or pulled off or what the impact's going to be to their own people. It might make really a lot of sense in the abstract, but because they're not connected, they don't really understand what that means. And frankly, the people doing the work a lot of times aren't empowered to ask those questions or relay that information. And so it's really about Um, yeah, being considerate, being aware, being kind, being, you know, we don't talk about kindness in corporate very much. And so, you know, we use other words, but that's really what it's about. It's about, it's, it's what's going on for you. And doesn't mean that we don't need to do this thing that might be hard, but how can we, how can we be successful together instead of dumping it on your lap and running away?
0: I often talk about, you know, leadership used to be about having the answers. Everybody went in the, the, the boardroom and they went out, they they doodled and they came out and here's the answer and it came down on high. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's just not the truth of today's world. It's, you know, the in my opinion, the, the leader is the person in the room with the best questions and the willingness to say, I don't, I don't know, but all of us here in this room, we know. And how do we throw out better questions, being mindful and aware that, We all bring different thought processes and experiences and age and diversity and all that and from that there's a richness to do some high fives we did this together and create a culture where people are rewarded for that unique thing that they bring yeah absolutely and we talk a lot about there's there's very there's a lot of difference between
1: authority and leadership and so you can have the authority to and the responsibility to be in charge of a team but the leader, but the leadership doesn't necessarily lie in that role. And so that's where um, it can be really egalitarian approach to leadership where everybody is a contributing member. But at the same time, I think we have to be a little careful to, to take the, the leadership mantra or the leadership um, uh, away from the people with authority. Because at the end of the day, if I'm responsible, the buck stops on my desk if this doesn't work i have to be able to have some of that authority and leadership um empowerment to to push the team in the way i need to that doesn't mean that i don't have leaders on my team but i think we have to be a little like because we hear a lot about well everyone can be a leader yes that's true but at the end of the day do you have the authority and the responsibility and that does change your perspective on what you can and can't do and how to push the company and your team forward because you have a different perspective than someone who, you know, they can have the greatest idea, but if it doesn't serve the company at that time, then it's hard to take that on. So it is, does get complicated because you want to empower your people. But at the end of the day, you've got to be able to push your company forward in a way that honors what the company is doing too. So leadership gets really complicated. But I think too, to your point, I think um, that's where kind of leadership is going astray in the sense of, we have disempowered our people so much that we have to then tell them it's okay to be leaders. You know, it's like that should be a thing that should be obvious or accepted or everybody gets a say. It's not about you. Only you get to say, or you don't get to talk. It's everybody should be involved. And I think that's where, I think you're totally right on that. I think that's where, where a lot of corporations fall down. And frankly, unfortunately, it still happens that way in most companies. At least the
0: ones that we see. Yeah, I totally agree. I see a lot of the same things. Oh. Well, Rachel, we have loved having you on the show. I think we could do three more shows easily on so many of these, these topics and, and how we can change the world with you know, our own personal selves. And, and, I, and I love your mantra. It's not about you, but we have to know ourselves so we can also get out of ourselves to see the people that we get to lead and create with. So if people want to connect to you, your consulting, your coaching, and your book, what would be the best way to do that?
1: Well, we, we're really active on LinkedIn. So my, my LinkedIn is Dr. Rachel MK Headley. Can't miss me if you get out there um, ixleadership.com is an easy website to find us. It has links to the book and links to our big website and all the other stuff. So that's probably the easiest way.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. We look forward to maybe having you back on the show again, if you're up, up for that. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, have a great week and just remember that mindful matters and so do you.
1: Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more Mindfulness Every Day, visit EverydayMindfulnessShow.com and download the three day challenge and experience the ABCs of mindfulness.